0: Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that the message that you are about to hear not only encourages you, but helps you follow Jesus like never before. If you feel blessed by this teaching, I want to challenge you to do two things. First of all, share this with someone that you know needs to hear this. And second of all, I want you to consider giving back to the ministry so that other people that just like you could also grow in their relationship with Christ. To do so, simply go to cfmiami.org slash give, and there you can follow the instructions, all right? Thank you so much. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. Amen. Amen. Wow. What an amazing time of worship, and we want to welcome you uh, to Christ Fellowship. If you're a first-time guest, we want to say thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Carlos, and I get to serve as One of our teaching pastors here at Christ Fellowship. Can we give it up for all the first-time guests? Come on, as loud as you can. We're in the middle of this series called Five Solas, where we've been learning these five fundamental truths that really shaped and formed our faith in Christ, our doctrine as believers. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Psalm chapter 19. We're going to begin in verse 7. If you don't have your Bibles, all the verses will come up on the screen. And so I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles, and here's what the Word of God says in Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Say with me, perfect. Perfect. Say it like you mean it, perfect. Perfect. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the hearts. Amen? Amen? Well, you can have a seat now at all of our campuses and the table for me. By the way, can we give it up for our production team? Yeah do an amazing job, and that choir, that was awesome. Yeah, come on. Let's give it up for our choir, our worship. You know, if you know me really well and you spend a lot of time with me, you will realize that I'm actually really good with numbers. Ever since I was a little boy, I've always been really good with math, but when it comes to spelling, I'm not awful, but I'm definitely not the best. I'm somewhere in between, probably on the lower side. But one of the things I've realized is because of smartphones, we rarely have to spell anymore. Our phones do it all for us. Like before we even finish a word, I mean, it's giving you all these different options. It's filling up the sentence for you. It's completing everything for you. Like the other day, I was writing the word church, and I just put C-H. And when I put C-H, all these options came up. Chicago, a choice, even churrasco came up. I'm like, I'm just trying to write the word church. I was going to write the word Shawnee, S-H, and Shannon came up and share. And so now you barely have to even spell anything. And don't get me started when we talk about voice texting. Because I think some of us have gotten in trouble by voice texting. Because the phone records something that you didn't say. Maybe you said something like this, babe, please get the shirt from the laundry for me. And your wife is like, why are you cursing at me? Because it didn't say shirt, it said something else, right? But you know, speaking about spelling, I think that's affected a little bit of our competency or capacity to be able to spell. But you know what? My oldest son, Noah, who is eight years old, actually is really good with spelling. In fact, about a month ago, he won first place in the regional spelling bee. And so yeah, we're proud, proud parents. Last week, he competed in state competition. He didn't win. He didn't win first place. He didn't make it to the top. But nevertheless, Johnny and I, as parents, we're really, really proud of our oldest son, Noah. In fact, uh, take a look at this quick video of some of the words that he spelled uh, correctly in the state competition. Take a look at this video. Your word is magnet. Magnet. M-A-G-N. That is correct. Your word is factor. Factor. F A C T O R. Factor. That is correct. Your word is bucket. Can you use that in I fill my bucket with water. Okay. Awesome. Hey, by the way, by the way, can we encourage our Christ Fellowship Academy teachers? He goes to Christ Fellowship Academy. They do an amazing job. Come on, let's give it up for all of our teachers. And the principal, Mrs. Estevo, is doing a phenomenal job. But here's the thing, church family. The moment that Noah was a part of this spelling bee competition, at that very moment, his teacher and the principal gave him a list of words. And they told Noah, Noah, in order for you to do well in the spelling bee competition, You need to study these words. You need to memorize these words. You need to meditate on these words. You need to know how to spell every single one of these words. Why? Because when you go to the competition, there is no word that will not be a part of this list. In other words, this list of words is sufficient for you to do well in the competition. No other word will come out from another manual not from another list, not from another book, but rather all the words are coming from this long list. And if you study these words, it will be sufficient for you to do well in the Spelling Bee competition. Now, why do I share this with you today? Because don't miss the point in all of this, church family, because just like these words, this list of words was sufficient for my son Noah to do well in the spelling bee competition, just like that. In fact, this is our big idea for today. In a much greater way, God has given us his word. God has given us the Bible, and the Bible is sufficient for us in every single area of our lives. Now, you may be here today and you're like, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you and and I get you, but you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand my situation. You don't understand what's happening in my home. What do you mean that the Bible is sufficient for me? What do you mean that the Bible is all I need for in, in every area of my life? What do you mean by that? Well, we're going to find out today as we go through this passage in Psalm chapter 19. And so we love to take notes here. And so I want to encourage you to take out your Christ Fellowship app. And I want you to write this down as your first point for today. Scripture, God's word, is our sufficient authority. Amen. Scripture is our sufficient authority. Let's go back to that passage in Psalm 19 verse 7. Look what the Bible says. The law of the Lord is perfect, Amen. reviving the soul. Now if you're taking notes, I want you to circle right there in your Bible. You can write it down. That word perfect in Hebrew, we've told you many times that the Old Testament was first written in Hebrew most of the old testament and then translated into other languages that word perfect in the old testament is the word tamim say it would mean tamim, tamim. say it like you mean a tamim. tamim and it was used all throughout the old testament you see whenever a priest would sacrifice an animal that was perfect that was complete that was sufficient they would say that that animal was tamim it was sufficient whenever they completed the building project of the temple of God. They said the temple is now complete. So you see that word me means complete. It means sufficient, it means whole. And so David is saying in this Psalm that the law of the Lord, meaning the Bible, meaning scriptures, is tamim. It is whole, it is sufficient for you. Now why is this important? Because somewhere along the lines, the church lost the focus of that passage. See, back in the 16th century, we've been talking about the five solas. Martin Luther, one of the great reformers, he was arguing with the church and he was challenging the medieval church. We've talked about the five different solas, and just to give you a quick recap, sola means alone. And so we learned about sola gratia, which means grace alone, sola fidi, which means faith alone, sola Christos, which means Christ alone, sola scriptura which means scripture alone, that's what we're studying today, this weekend, and sola del gloria, which means glory to God alone. And so Martin Luther, John Calvin, and some of these reformers, they were arguing with the church, and what was happening in that time with the medieval church is that they were saying that scripture was not the sufficient authority in our lives, and they had it all wrong. In fact, the formula that they were living under was the following. It was the church... Plus the Pope or a priest or a pastor, plus traditions, then the Bible equals truth. That's the way that they were operating. Wait a minute, scripture is not sufficient. It is the church plus a Pope plus traditions, then the Bible equals truth. Now, does the church not have authority? Does the pastor not have authority? Does the leader not have authority? Are traditions not important? Is this not true? Yes, it's true, but the problem is when these things get, uh, become priority, right, they become the first thing over the Bible, then that becomes a problem. And so Martin Luther was saying, no, listen, listen, it is not the church plus the Pope plus traditions plus the Bible that equals truth. What he was arguing is what we learn, it's that the Bible equals truth. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? Why? Because the word of God says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all, not some, not just a few, not just the New Testament, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. In other words, the word of God is sufficient for you. Now, you may be thinking, hey, Pastor Carlos, I I get you, but I don't operate under that umbrella. That's not how I live my life. The problem is sometimes we will allow other things to dictate and direct our lives. Sometimes we'll allow our own emotions, our own feelings. Oh, but my heart is telling me that I should date that guy. I feel it in my guts. I got to trust my heart. Oh, my heart is telling me. Can I tell you something about your beautiful heart? <laughs> Jeremiah seventeen nine says that the heart is deceitful above all things. all things. The heart can sometimes lie to you. Yeah. The problem is when our subjective feelings wow. take priority over God's objective word, That is a problem. In fact, Martin Luther said about scriptures, he said the following, he said, if the Bible were a fruit tree, I want to shake off every branch on the tree and get every fruits I can because it's that good. It's that good. Charles Spurgeon, a preacher in the 19th century, he said the following, I want people to be so in tune to God's word that when life cuts them, they bleed scripture. Are you bleeding scripture? What are you bleeding or are you bleeding Fox News or CNN News or Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok? What are you bleeding? When life cuts you, oh, I'm going through this struggle. I'm going through this situation, but make no mistake. The word of God says that I will fear no evil because I know goodness and mercy will follow me all my days. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? Are you bleeding scripture? Tell the person next to you, are you, are you bleeding scripture? Tell the other person next to you, are you bleeding scripture? And so the reformers were saying, wait a minute. No, you guys got it all wrong. It is not all these things that equals truth, but rather it is the word of God. Why? Because scripture is a testimony of who God is. Amen. Write that down as the next point. Scripture is a testimony of who God is. Look at what the Bible says in Psalm 19, verse seven. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of who? The Lord. Of you? No, the Lord. Of the Lord is sure, Amen. making wise the simple. In other words, the word of God is God's self-revelation to humanity. Amen. It's of God's self-disclosure to mankind. It's God's self-revelation for us. You wanna know more about God? Read God's word. You want to know more who God is? You want to know his attributes, his characteristics, what he enjoys, what he likes, what he dislikes, what he doesn't approve of? Read God's word. Because here's what I want you to know. The end goal of reading the word of God is not head knowledge. It's not just theology or information. In fact, the end goal of reading God's word should not be just good advice. Oh, I, I'm not sure what home to buy, so let me open up the scriptures. And Leviticus <laughs> says, whoa, I don't know what to buy after reading that. Should not just be good advice, but rather the end goal of reading scripture always is worship to God. Hallelujah! Worship to God. Yeah. Does the Bible not give us advice? Does it not give us practical things, ways to live our lives? Absolutely. But here's the thing. Jesus was more than just a good teacher. He was more than just a good counselor. He was a teacher and a counselor. But Jesus Christ, God Almighty, was the Savior, is the Savior of this world. And when you read about God, it should lead to worship. In fact, in fact, Romans chapter 9 is one of the most theological chapters in the Bible. Any theological nerd would tell you, I love to read Romans chapter 9. Go through all the verses. Ah, oh, yeah. Spend an entire year. Pastor, why aren't we studying that passage? You read Romans chapter 9, the Apostle Paul is giving us heavy theological truth and deep theological truth. Romans chapter 9, chapter 10. Chapter 11, Paul goes from theology to doxology. Doxology is the worship of God. Theology is information, what we believe about God. Why? Because when you know more about God, his sovereignty how good he's been how holy he is how perfect he is and how imperfect we are and how sinful we are and how flawed we are and when you know more about god and how he's chosen you he's extended his mercy his grace his compassion his love it should lead you to worship the king of kings and the lord and lord the alpha and the omega the beginning and the last the first and the end in fact Scripture is all about God revealing himself to us. You know what's the longest chapter in the Bible? Psalms 119. Psalms 119. Thank you, Nigel. Thank you, and everyone else who said it. Psalm 119. You know Psalm 119 has 176 verses. Almost every single verse has to do with the Bible, with the word of God. It's mentioned in eight different ways. Talks about it in statues, refers to it as statues, decrees, the law, precepts, commands, promises, word, ways. But when you read through it, right, every single verse, almost every single verse has to do with the word of God. Why? Because what we believe about God will shape how we live for God. And sometimes we may have a false narrative of who God truly is. Can you imagine, Shawnee and I, we've been married for 10 years, and so I love my wife, so thankful for her. Can you imagine if Shawnee were to tell you, oh, my hubby is so handsome. He is six feet tall, four inches. He has light eyes, an incredible hairline, huge biceps, triceps, all the diceps, or whatever you wanna call it, thick legs, muscular, broad shoulders. Be like, wait a minute. That's not me. I'm 5'7 on a good day if I'm wearing the boots. I go visit other campuses and people tell me, oh, you look much taller and on the screen. You're much shorter in person. Thank you. I've been struggling with tights since I was a little boy. It's all good. All good. She may have good intentions behind it. She may say with a good heart. She may mean, well, but she is not describing her husband. That's not me. Can I tell you, that's how some Christians operate nowadays. We will say things about God, and I think God is saying, that's not me. That is not me. You may have the good intentions, you may have good emotions behind it, you may have good thoughts behind it, but that is not me. And the way that you know who God is is that you read the word of God because he reveals himself to humanity through God's word. Scripture is God revealing to us who he is. Here's the next point that I want you to write down. Scripture is divinely composed. Scripture is divinely composed. Look what the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. No prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things that I often hear as a pastor is like, hey, Pastor Carlos, you know, I love that you love Jesus and that you're passionate about the Bible and that you go to church and you guys are doing great things, but but the word of God was written by men. The Bible was written by men. How can the Bible be the Word of God? How can the Bible be infallible, inerrant, the inerrant word of God? If it was written by fallible men, men who are commit sins and are have make mistakes and do failures at times. How can that be? Well, in the Bible, we see here that no prophecy of Scripture comes from man's own interpretation. It all comes from God. In fact, that word carried along in the New Testament, we told you many times that the New Testament was first written in Greek and then translated into other languages. That word carried along in the New Testament is the word Pharaoh. Not Pharaoh from the Old Testament, prince of Egypt, but Pharaoh was actually used to describe used to describe a sailboat, when it would work, it was because the wind would blow the sailboats. Right. And wherever the wind blew, that's where the sailboat would go. And so what happened here is that these men, these authors, they were writing these words, but it was God who was leading them to write these words. Let me give you an example. I'll give you an example. You know, now that the weather is much nicer, Sometimes what we do in the mornings is that we walk to school. I don't live far from here. And so my three-year-old daughter, Everly, you know, says she walks a lot slower. When we're going to cross over 168th Street, which is that street right here, uh, there's a lot of traffic. And so when I'm walking Everly, you know, she's the one walking. She's the one moving her feet. But when I see a car coming, what do I do? I grab her hand, and I make sure that she's walking faster, and I lead her to where she needs to go to. She's walking... But her dad, her father, is the one who is leading her to go the right direction. In other words, it's the same way. These men, these authors, they were writing these words, but God was farrowing them, leading them to write and pencil every single one of those words. Now, maybe you're like, ah, Carlos, I'm tracking with you, and theologically, that makes sense. But let me give you a practical reason why it was divinely composed. Think about this for a moment. The Bible was written by 40, around 40 authors, 40 different men, 40 different authors, in a time span of 100, 1,500 years. And think about this. All these authors have different occupations. Some were prophets, some were priests, tax collector, physician, all these different occupations, 10 makers. And yet, when you read the Bible, 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, there is one cohesive theme all throughout the Bible, the redemption for man. That's right. One cohesive theme. Think about this for a moment. 40 different authors, time span of 1,500 years. No other sacred writing Come on. has that. Usually it's one author, one revelation. One author, he gets a revelation, he begins to write. Yet the Bible is 40 different authors. If I were to tell you right now, I grabbed 40 of you and said, or at one of our campuses, I went to Doral, Homestead, Redland, Coral Gables, downtown, watching us online. And I grabbed 40 of you and I said, hey, listen, get a pencil and paper and write a 10-page essay on whatever comes to your heart. Whatever comes to your mind, begin to write a 10-page essay. And after you're done, I get the 10-page essay and I put it all together and I make a book out of it. What would we have? A mess, like they say in Hialeah, un arroz con mango. A mess, and yet the Bible, 40 authors time span of 1500 years and there's one cohesive theme why because it was not written by man but rather it was written by God himself inspiring these men to write this word and what we have here is God's word how many of you believe that today at all of our campuses Doral Homestead Redland West Kendall Corps gave us if you're watching us online give Jesus a shot of praise uh pastor Carlos I'm tracking with you but I need a little more write this down as your next point the word of God has been preserved throughout time. Come on. Yes, yes. Preserved throughout time. No other book, think about this for a moment. No other book, no other sacred writing, ancient documents, manual has been more scrutinized, more challenged, more questioned than the Bible. People don't question how reliable other writings are. And yet there are less copies than the Bible. In fact, let me give you a little bit of what I'm talking about. And I want to see a chart if they could put a chart here. When you look at some ancient writings, the writings of Caesar, which happened around 100 BC to 44 BC, the earliest copy was found 1,000 years later, and there's only about 10 copies that they find. Plato, 400 BC, 1300 years later, about 20 copies. Aristotle, 193 copies. Don't put the other one yet. And people don't question these writings, they don't question these sources. You know how many copies there are of the New Testament? Put the number there. Over 5,000 copies of the New Testament. About 5,800. People don't question that. Why? Why don't they question the copies of the writings of Aristotle? Because it's not God's word. It's not God's word. Oh, but Pastor Carlos, there's some differences in the copies and all that stuff. Listen, I've studied textual criticism the differences are very minute. It has to do with how you spell a word honor. Spell it, some people spell it H-O-N-O-R. Others will spell it H-O-N-O-U-R. But the copies are reliable because it's God's word. In fact, in the 18th century, a French philosopher, very renowned, very influential, educated, very you know people, pe- prestigious, people knew him, Voltaire. Voltaire said, in my lifetime, within 100 years of my lifetime, the Bible will be extinct. It will no longer exist. In fact, he he said the following, the Bible, this is what fools have written, what imbeciles command, what rogues teach and young children are made to learn by hearts. So he was pushing against the word of God. The word of God is not truly the word of God. The Bible is not truly the word of God and it's gonna be extinct within 100 years of my lifetime. This is a very educated man, very influential person, French philosopher. Do you know what happened when he died? 58 years later in Geneva, Switzerland, his home became a Bible storehouse. The man that was saying that the Bible would be extinct his home, his living room, his kitchen, his family room, all of it became a Bible storehouse. Why? Because the word of God says that the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. How many of you believe that today? At all of our campuses, give Jesus, Jesus out of praise. Heaven and earth will pass away. We will pass away. You will pass away one day. But guess what? But my words will not pass away. It's been preserved throughout time. Here's the next point that I want you to write down today. The Bible, this what we have here, has the power to change lives. Has the power to change lives. Look what the Word of God says in Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. no other book has transformed more lives than the bible no other book has restored more marriages than the word of god no other book has freed more people from addictions than the bible than the word of god no other book has brought more peace joy, love, compassion, forgiveness than the word of God because it is active and alive and it transforms your heart and your mind and you begin to change. You begin to be transformed by the power of God's spirit through his word, the Bible. So my challenge for you today, my question for you today, are you reading God's word? Are you meditating? In God's Word? Are you growing and applying God's Word into your life? And Maybe you're here today, you're like, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you and I get you, but I've tried to read God's Word and I get confused and I don't understand it and I need to learn more and I need to grow, but, but I need, I need help and so we have a method here at Christ Fellowship, and we always like to make it very practical for you. We don't just want to give you theology, but we want to give you some practical next steps, and we have this method. It's just one method. It's not D method called ROAD. R stands for read. O stands for observe. A stands for apply. D stands for depend. Depend on God's spirit to help you, to lead you, to guide you. So there where you are, if you're watching us online, you can go on your phone, and you can go to cfmiami.org slash ROAD, and... We have some resources, we wanna be able to help you walk with Jesus. We wanna be able to help you follow Christ, help you learn and understand God's word. If you have another method, cool, it's awesome, but this is one method that we wanna share with you today. So I wanna share one last verse as we conclude our time, and in Psalm 119, the chapter that has to do with the word of God, the longest chapter in the Bible, there's a powerful verse in 105 and it says, your word, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Isn't that amazing? And maybe you're here today and you're stuck in life and you're like, Pastor Carlos, my spiritual life is stagnant and has become complacent. And I need some guidance. I don't know what to do with my future. I need some direction. The problem is you don't have your spiritual lenses on. And the word of God is our spiritual lenses. You know, one of the things that you may not know about me is that I actually can't see really well. I have bad eyesight and I wear contacts every single day. If you know about prescription, my prescription is negative 4.5. So when I take off my contacts, I see very blurry. I can't drive. I can't tell who's speaking to me. It's, it's that bad. So every night I take off my contacts and I put my glasses to watch tv or to just spend some time at night and the other day i was with my son noah and he got my glasses and he put them on he's like oh daddy you're blind give me my glasses boy (laughs) those are my glasses they don't belong to you they belong to me and when i can't see i don't have my contacts on i put on my glasses When I don't have my glasses on, I can't drive, I can't function, I don't know where to go to, I don't know who I'm talking to, because I can't see. Can I remind us today? The Word of God says we were once dead in our sin, we were once blind, we could not see. And the reason why sometimes we are in the midst of a situation that we're in, and we feel a certain way, is because we don't have our spiritual glasses on. We're viewing life the way the world views it. I'm struggling financially. I don't know how I'm gonna be able to pay my bills. I don't know what's gonna happen at home. Wait a minute. Let me put on my spiritual glasses. Your word says in Philippians 4 9, my God will supply every single one of my needs. I ain't gonna walk in that confidence. Pastor Carlos, I'm single again. The holidays are approaching and everyone has their boo. I'm the only one without a boo or a babe or a hubby. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Put it on. Colossians 2.10 says that my completion is not in a person but rather in Christ alone. And I find my completion, my satisfaction, my joy, my hope, my peace not in a person, not in a guy but rather in Jesus Christ, God Almighty. My children used to follow Jesus. They used to come to church. They used to serve, they were in a small group, and now they're lost. Wait a minute, Philippians 1, 6 says, he who began the good work will bring it to completion. I'm gonna live my life operating that way. Pastor Carlos, God can't love me. I have failed them too many times. I've made so many mistakes. I've sinned so many times against God. The word of God says, Romans 8, that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise if you're watching us online as well. How are you living life? God's word is what gives you the spiritual glasses that you need in your life. So my challenge for you today is study God's word. Read God's word. Meditate on God's word. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. Everyone in this campus or you're watching us online. Maybe you're here today for the first time or maybe you've been watching. You've been coming for a long time. Maybe you're thinking as I was preaching, you're like, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you, but... To be honest with you, I'm lost, and I'm so far away from God. And I've never made a decision to follow Christ. My friend, the Bible says in Romans 3, every single one of us, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And only through Jesus Christ can we have salvation and everlasting life. It's not coming to a church, not speaking to a pastor but only through what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross and today my friend with no one looking you have an opportunity to make the best decision of your life and put on your spiritual glasses today with no one looking I'm not going to ask you to come to the front I'm not going to single you out I'm not going to point you out but I want to know who I'm praying for so as every head is bowed and every eye is closed there where you are seated where you are you're making that decision today, you're like, Pastor Carlos, I want to live for Jesus and Jesus alone. If you're making that decision today, would you lift up your hand as high as you can if you're watching us online or one of our campuses? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you right here in the front. God bless you. Tons of hands being lifted. God bless you all the way in the back. God bless you. God is moving. God bless you all the way in the back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hand down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir, in the front. God bless you. You will never, ever be the same again. Because God is with you. He's for you. If you lifted up your hand, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. It is not the prayer that saves you, but rather the condition of your heart. And God wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants it all. So you can repeat the same exact words that I say, or you can pray something similar. But there where you are, I want you to pray to God. Father God, we just come before you and I recognize that I am a sinner in need of saving. Jesus, I believe that you died, you were buried and you were raised from the grave on the third day to forgive me for my sins. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Be my Lord, be my savior, be my best friend, be my everything. I repent from my sins, turn away from my old life and I run to you today. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray. Amen and amen. Christ Fellowship, can we give it up for all those that made that decision to follow Christ? Amen. If you made that decision there at your campus, if you're watching us online, if you're at one of our campuses, you can go to our Next Steps area. And we have a Bible that we want to give you today. God's word. We want to give it to you for free. We want to give you a Bible and we want to welcome you to God's family. So make sure you go to our next area. It's at all of our campuses. We want to welcome you into God's family. Well, I'm going to invite all the campus pastors to come forward. I love you, Christ Fellowship. Have an incredible Thanksgiving. God bless you. Have a good day.